0: Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On The Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On The Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Now it's a weekend where we celebrate the freedom and blessings of being Americans. And you'll find few individuals who did more to craft and sustain this American experiment than the first Secretary of the U.S. Treasury, Alexander Hamilton. The Founding Father was surprisingly forgotten in the centuries since he lived, but is now enjoying an absolute renaissance of renewed interest, thanks to a smash hit Broadway play and brand new film just out this week. As it turns out, faith was a defining feature of Hamilton's life, both the purpose and courage it gave him, as well as his shortcomings in keeping to that faith. To dig into this extraordinary story today, we welcome Kevin Cloud. Kevin is a pastor, church planter, and the author of God and Hamilton, spiritual themes from the life of Alexander Hamilton and the musical he inspired. Welcome aboard, good sir. How is the day treating you thus far?
1: I am doing wonderful. It's been a good day and excited to have this conversation with you all today.
0: Well, we're so excited to talk to you. And on July 4th weekend, nonetheless, we didn't even plan that. It just sort of beautifully worked out. But... There's really sort of a three-step process that brings this founding father who obviously hasn't been with us for a rather extended period of time back to the cultural front page. The musical Hamilton premieres in 2015. It is based off a biography written in 2004 aptly called Alexander Hamilton. And now finally step three, a feature film depicting the musical just released on Disney Plus this week. So that is what happened. I guess my question is why? I mean, what was it about the story of this band that when it was retold in this fresh way, it just seemed to speak to us so powerfully?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think a number of factors really played into that happening and it becoming a cultural phenomenon. You know, I think even when they wrote this musical, I don't think anybody could have imagined it becoming what it has become. In fact, I heard a story of one of the original cast members that was doing workshops as they were trying to work out this this musical before it even was on Broadway, and he was telling a friend about this musical that he was working on. About it was a, a hip hop musical about a, one of the founding fathers, and all of his buddies were telling him, "Man, you got to get off of that show immediately. That thing's not going anywhere. Like, go get on a show that's going to turn into something, right?" So nobody could have anticipated, but I think, I think a number of things worked to make that happen. First of all, it, it truly is a, a brilliant work of art. I got to see it on Broadway in 2014, and I left the theater just stunned by the, by the songwriting, by the arc of the story, by the dancing, by um, the light design. I mean, everything about it is just an absolute genius work of art. And so I think that's part of why people are drawn to it. Um, I think another reason, though, is that the, the themes that are at the center of Alexander Hamilton's story are the themes of our lives. They are the themes that are at the center of the gospel. It is a story of grace and of surrender and forgiveness and death and redemption. And I think that all of these ideas are are so much at the center of who we are and the struggles that we encounter day-to-day lives that it um, draws people into the story in some pretty powerful ways.
0: Uh, That's so well said. That was a big question, but you just hit it out of the park. I mean, well done. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you a sort of ironic feature of his legacy being so huge is that I think he and and Benjamin Franklin are the two people that so many folks think were presidents of the United States, but of course actually weren't. That in itself pretty much does say it all though, right? I mean, here's a guy who arguably, alongside Franklin, shaped the country more than anyone else who was not elected president and quite probably more than many who were.
1: Yeah, I mean, most historians would say that behind George Washington, that Alexander Hamilton really was the second most influential founding father. I mean, he was so instrumental, not only in the Revolutionary War, but in building our government, Uh, just played a huge, huge role in the systems and structures, economics of of building our government. And so it is ironic that this man that had such a huge impact on the beginning of our nation did kind of become a, a founding father. And part of that was because he died prematurely, you know, I mean, he went to a duel of honor with Aaron Burr, the sitting vice president, and, and was shot and killed. And so I think the fact that his life was cut short probably had a lot to do with that. Um, but it is, it is very ironic that it took a, a musical to kind of bring him back to the forefront. And not, now he's become a cultural phenomenon unlike any we've ever seen, probably.
0: Yeah, it's really true. And I want to I wanna circle back to the duel a little bit later because it is pretty, pretty extraordinary, particularly, you know, in a time when, you'll hear so many of us talk about, well, this is this is an unprecedented level of vitriol uh, that we're seeing in the United States. Well, we'll go back to a time when uh, the vice president of the United States killed the secretary of the treasury in a duel right. and right. maybe think that we don't have it quite as bad as we think we did. But let's start a little bit earlier in uh, Alexander Hamilton's life. And we'll sort of talk on two tracks. There's the story, the historical story of, Uh, Alexander Hamilton and then uh, the narrative of the musical itself but a lot of people don't know this by age 11 he was an orphan in the Caribbean with very few resources this is not the biography of someone that you might expect to help build a new nation but you write that it was a powerful journey of grace that took him forward can you sketch a bit about what you mean by that
1: yeah I would love to so Alexander Hamilton grows up in the Caribbean his father actually abandons their family when he was around the age of five, and at the age of eleven, his mother died. And so, um, at a very young age, Hamilton finds himself this poor orphan kid in the Caribbean without any really future possibilities that he could have pursued. Um, a few years later, a hurricane devastates the island that he's living on, and Hamilton pins a letter in response to this hurricane, and, and the letter was so beautifully written, it was so articulate that the local newspaper picked it up and ran a copy of it, and some businessmen in the Caribbean, they read this letter, and they were so impressed with with the author that they actually went and found Alexander Hamilton, and they sat down with him, and I'd love to imagine this meeting, I'd love to imagine this this orphan kid, who probably didn't have a lot of positive influences, influences in his life. Um, being set down by these wealthy businessmen, and them saying to him, "Son, we believe in you, we think you have real potential. we think you can make a mark on this world and and what a gift of grace just those words would have been to him. I mean, I just can imagine him uh, just his, him coming alive as he heard these men speak into his life and uh, but then they go beyond just speaking these words they they send him to america they they raise a fund to pay for him to go to America to get his education so so everything that Hamilton becomes in America, and we've already talked about how he's, he's um, known by historians as the second most influential founding father, that all happens because of this foundation of, of grace in Hamilton's life. He's given this gift that he didn't earn, a gift he never could have deserved, but this gift that enables him to come to America and, and become what he became.
0: I really connected with that as well because, of course, I think each and every one of us has that moment that we look back on, you know, and, and hopefully we're blessed to have a few that moment where somebody says, man, you really have something here. You know, you really have a gift that God has given you. And I just want to point to that and say that I see it. I mean, that's that's a powerful gift we can give to others as well, isn't it?
1: That's exactly right. And, and that's the power of these stories. I mean, a story like Hamilton has all of these moments that we can look at and we can say, well, man, what what an incredible thing that those people had an impact on Alexander Hamilton's life. Who are the people that I might be able to have an impact on? Who are the people that I can speak a word of encouragement to? Who are the people that I can call something out of? Who are the people that I can um, cast vision for? And and anytime we do that, we offer this tremendous gift of grace to them as well. And and it just reminds us all that we have that same potential. Mm.
0: Well, that's the voice of Mr. Kevin Cloud today. Kevin is a pastor, a church planter, and the author of God and Hamilton, spiritual themes from the life of Alexander Hamilton and the musical he inspired. Amazing part of that too, is I believe you wrote the book two years ago and here we are two years later and the phenomenon still continues unabated. I mean, you couldn't have really expected that, I imagine.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody could have. I mean, um, you know, not only did it, did it explode on Broadway and then the national tour start and then Disney paid, you know, tens of millions. I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was 60 or 70 million for the rights. <laughs> and it was going to be a major motion picture release next October. Uh, but because of, of everything with COVID, they moved it up and they're turning it into a, you know, they, or they have turned it into this Disney Plus release now. Um, but, yeah, now it's uh, a, available to to. No, many, many people that probably couldn't have gotten to see it in, in New York or certainly all the theaters are closed right now, but they can enjoy it in their own homes and and, and really see a, re- a unique uh, aspect of the show. I mean, I think when you're in a theater, you're, you're farther back from the stage and you can't see everybody's faces and their emotion quite as well, but now you get these camera shots where they're right up on these actors and you, you see it in kind of a different way, which I think is pretty pretty interesting.
0: Well, really is interesting. and You've talked too about how, Uh, The story and the way it's told is so compelling, even for those who, I believe you said, even for those who feel that musicals have just a little bit too much singing for their taste.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I have a friend who I was telling him about my book and he said, he said, yeah, you know, I'm just really not that into musicals. And I said, why not? What, what don't you like musicals? And he said, oh, there's just so much singing in (laughs) musicals.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you really dig into two spiritual journeys, you know, Hamilton's himself and also his wife, Eliza's. So give us a sense, if you could, of who God was to Alexander Hamilton and and then also the quite extraordinary faith of his wife, Eliza.
1: Yeah, so so part of the reason that these that these great themes of the gospel are at the center of the lives of Alexander and Eliza Hamilton, or, or at the center of the musical, is that they really were at the center of their their lives. I mean, Alexander was a, a remarkable man of faith. He grew up in the Caribbean, as we mentioned before, writing hymns. Uh, they're, they're they're hymns that speak very eloquently about his relationship with God and his his experience of God in his life. Uh, at a very young age that they're written, and and yet they're so powerful and so eloquent. He comes to America and begins to attend King's College, where he would have gone to chapel every day and church twice on Sundays. His his roommates spoke about the fervency of of his prayers, and so he really did live this deep life of faith. Um, In his middle years— reading his letters and, and other writings about him, he does seem to have drifted from that a little bit and where he went through maybe a season of, of his faith, not being quite as important to him. At least it, it appears that way, but toward the later years of his life, it comes back and, and he, he buys some land and longs to build a chapel uh, for his children on it. He, there are stories of his kids talking about sitting around with him, reading the scriptures and reading the, the notes that he had taken in the margins. Um, one of the powerful examples, uh, to me, of, of this faith is when he's on his deathbed, he was shot, and he's dying from this this wound, and his wife Eliza's in the room with him, and and Alexander over and over again says to his wife, he says, Eliza, remember, you are a Christian. Remember, you are a Christian. And mm-hmm. he's trying to give her this last sense of hope um, as he's about to die to remind mm-hmm. her that this isn't the last word, that this isn't the, the, the final word, that death will not have. Uh, so there's all these examples of, of this robust faith in, that Hamilton shows in his life. And and his wife, Eliza, was also a remarkable woman of faith that really loved doing research for this book and learning about Eliza Hamilton. She um, also loved God, um, lived this remarkable life of faith. Um, after Alexander died, kind of one of her crowning achievements was she felt called by God to build an orphanage, which I think is a, this beautiful picture of redemption because Alexander Hamilton himself was an orphan, and you can imagine um, him living with that kind of that shame and that that sense of, of um, not being proud of that heritage, you know, to be an orphan sure. back in, in those times um, would have been a very hard life, and so you can imagine Alexander kind of sharing that burden with his wife and his wife feeling the pain of that as well, and then after Alexander dies, she, with a, another group of women, uh, decide to build the first public orphanage in New York City, and they offer this incredible gift to all of these orphans that come through their their orphan their orphanage. And and that that organization that Eliza started actually still operates today in New York City under the name Graham Wyndham. And it's mm-hmm. just remarkable that this heritage that she started all the way back then still continues to serve families in need in New York City. It's just a remarkable example of, of the faith that Eliza had and how that faith continues to impact people's lives today.
0: Uh, it's really special, and I love that you – thank you so much for telling us that story. It's, uh, it's fascinating to to go behind the headlines of history, as it were. Y- you Did I see correctly, too, when I was looking at the dates on her life? Did she nearly live to be 100 years old? That's right. That,
1: that, that <laughs> is right. I don't remember exact, the exact age, but, yeah, she was late 90s oh, wow. um, when she, she finally passed away. So she outlived Alexander by almost 50 years. Man,
0: and that was obviously not particularly common in those days.
1: <laughs> sure. No, no, no. She lived She lived much longer than was expected.
0: Well, we're talking with Kevin Cloud today on the road for Faith Radio. Kevin is a pastor, a church planter, the author of God in Hamilton, spiritual themes from the life of Alexander Hamilton and the musical he inspired. You know, one of the most powerful moments of the musical is its depiction of Eliza choosing to extend forgiveness to Alexander. It feels weird to have these historical characters on a first name basis, but when you see the musical, <laughs> that's kind of how you feel. But yeah, after right. after he's betrayed really in a public and, and devastating way, betrayed her, can you set that moment up for us? Because that was both a historical first and something that obviously speaks to us so powerfully still today.
1: Yeah, of course. So Alexander Hamilton was the Treasury or the Secretary of Treasury and he ends up engaging in an affair with another woman by the name of Mariah Reynolds. And he is in this affair with her and because of his relationship with her and um, rumors start about what's, what's going on with their relationship. And the rumor is that he is actually engaging in speculation, meaning he's, he's providing this woman intimate secrets about the economy and decisions that the government will be making so that she can benefit from them financially. Uh, Now, if, if that were to be true, you know, his, his entire reputation and his, his position in the government would be at stake uh, because he would be engaging in illegal activity. And, and so Hamilton, as these rumors grow, decides that he's going to confess to this affair in sordid detail. He, he, he publishes an essay in, in the newspapers uh, telling everybody about his relationship with this woman basically to protect his political career. But in doing so, devastates, obviously, his, his wife and his family and and they are so embarrassed and, and so, uh, I can imagine, angry with him. There's a great scene in the musical, the song is called Burn, where Eliza finds out what's happening. And she's so hurt by Alexander's decision and, and the way that he publishes this and the affair that he's been having, that she decides to burn all of the love letters that she's written him. And you can imagine that would have been one of Alexander's most treasured possessions, reading back through these letters that his wife over the years had written to him, and she burns them all. Um, but you know, Eliza walked with God, and over time she comes to forgive her husband and reconciles with him. And that that moment is captured really powerfully in the in the musical. Uh, Alexander is kind of singing to her, trying to reconcile, trying to reach out to her, and she's kind of cold and stiff towards him. She flinches at one moment when Alexander reaches out to touch her. But then as the song continues on, she kind of softens and finally she does forgive him and she reaches out and takes Alexander's hand and she starts singing with him. And the entire chorus sings out in that moment, forgiveness, can you imagine? And when that line happens, you can feel the atmosphere in the theater shift. You can feel the weight of that moment. You can feel the power of that moment. I think you can feel the presence of of the Spirit of God in that moment because I think what's happening there is that that moment of forgiveness confronts our lives and it makes us ask the question, will I forgive the people that have hurt me the way that Eliza forgave her husband, Alexander Hamilton. And that's a great example of the power of story, how um, Lin-Manuel Miranda calls these moments moments of action where we see something on the stage and that moment then confronts the audience's life and it, it demands the audience to respond to that moment. And so we see this moment of forgiveness And then it confronts us and it makes us ask, will we be the kind of people that that forgive those who have hurt us the way that Mm -hmm. Eliza forgave Alexander?
0: When you investigated a little bit about uh, the relationships of Alexander Hamilton, it's it's interesting the way he's depicted in history. I think if you watch that classic John Adams uh, miniseries on HBO, uh, he's almost made to be the bad guy, right? And his, his difficulties with Thomas Jefferson and obviously his relationship with Aaron Burr that leads to his death. Do you get the sense that he was a difficult person to get along with or <laughs> – more so were Jefferson and Byrd just uh, uniquely challenging to get along with.
1: He actually does come across as someone who's difficult to get along with. I mean, George Washington adored him. Uh, George Washington had a very close relationship with him and, and really was his, his primary friend in the U.S. government in the early years. But when Washington decided not to run for a third term of the presidency, uh, Hamilton really did struggle with the rest of the founding fathers. He, he could be arrogant at times. He could be brash. Um, coming from the the lowly circumstances that he came from. I think he often felt um, inferiority being around some of these other founding fathers who had wealth and who had good family lineage. Uh, and so there there were a lot of factors that I think Hamilton was kind of working against himself. I mean, John Adams despised Alexander Hamilton. It wasn't uncommon. I mean, there, there he really did struggle because of those reasons to get along with the other founding fathers. And in, in some ways it is capsulated with the Aaron Burr incident where Burr and Hamilton had been political enemies for so many years, and, and Aaron Burr got so tired of it that he challenges them to a duel. And when they go to the duel, uh, you know, typically when you challenge someone to a duel back then, it, it almost never got to the dueling ground. It was a way to protect your honor, and, and people would work out their differences, and, and that would be the end of it. But when, when Aaron Burr uh, challenges Alexander Hamilton to, the, to a duel, you almost see Hamilton stoking the fires a little bit. It's actually captured in this beautiful song towards the end of the musical where Burr and Hamilton are going back and forth and, and Alexander seems to be just egging him on almost, which is, was a part of his personality. And they go to the dueling ground where, where he is eventually shot and killed by Aaron Burr. But I do, I do think that, I do think that was part of what makes the, the story of Hamilton so interesting is that he had these amazing successes and did so much, but also experienced these real failures and, and difficulties with his getting along with other people and, And there's ups and downs and highs and lows, which makes a really
0: compelling drama. Man, it sure does. And obviously, you know, every single one of us can relate to being labeled exactly as you described, you know, a life where we trust in Jesus, where we make really successful moments, where we have moments of of extreme failure in real valleys as well. And and I love so much about what you do in the book is you talk about how we can apply uh, what we can learn from the life of Hamilton. I wonder, as you look about the way his life ends, you know, and as you see that, really, when you start to realize just how much of a contribution he was uh, to the United States, really, that moment robs a young country of... (laughs) A brilliant man uh, in what he could have contributed, but what do you see that is redemptive, even in that moment? You mentioned the prayer uh, there at his at his bedside
1: yeah, I think it goes back to our conversation earlier about Eliza Hamilton and what she did with with his legacy that 's the last song in the musical is her singing about this legacy and, and how she's going to live out Hamilton's legacy. And she, she collects a lot of his papers and tries to put it in a book form. She uh, raises money to build the Washington Monument. And, and, but ultimately, her crowning achievement is the orphanage. And she sings in this song that the orphanage is, is what she's most proud of. And at one point, she even says that in every single orphan that she sees in this house that she's built, this orphanage that she's built, that she sees Alexander in each of them. And going back to Graham Wyndham, the organization that exists today that started it was started by Eliza Hamilton, um, I've met the president, his name is Jess Danhauser and, and he talks about how that spirit continues to animate their work today, that then they when they work with kids in need in New York City today, that they see that same potential, that they try to think back to a young Alexander Hamilton coming to America as an immigrant and then making such a big impact on people's lives. And, and Matt, here we are so many years later where you still have leaders that are looking at young children in need, but that see incredible potential in them and hope in them mm. and that are offering to make something beautiful out of the difficult circumstances that they find themselves in. And, and that all is a direct result of, of Eliza and the work that she did and this orphanage that she, la- that she um, launched that really, was, that really came out of this broken part of Alexander's life that Eliza tries to redeem and make beautiful.
0: Man, how about that? Well, the book, once more, is called God and Hamilton, Spiritual Themes from the Life of Alexander Hamilton and the Musical He Inspired. Kevin Cloud with us today, the pastor, the church planter, and the author of this really tremendous book. You you know, if you're a history geek, let's just say it, like myself, you're going to absolutely love it. But honestly, even if you're not, even if you just love good stories and the power of a story, I think you really enjoy it. So, Before we maybe get to a final question, if we have a moment here, sir, uh, where should people go to learn more about your work and grab a copy of the book?
1: Yeah, so the copy is available um, at Amazon.com, so that's probably the easiest place to get the book. Um, As far as learning about me, I have a website, kevincloud.me, and I've been traveling the country really speaking about this book, um, preaching at churches and at college campuses. and, And along the way, I've developed kind of some content, a workshop and some other content around kind of life at the intersection of creativity and faith. And I just feel really thankful that the Lord is opening doors for me to do that. And you can find more information about me and about those workshops at kevincloud.me.
0: Well, just a couple moments left here at the end. And you, you spend a lot of time talking about just the power of a story that is told beautifully and told well. And it's a really interesting thing that you do, but there's an encouragement as well that I felt to be willing to share stories because God can use them in just an incredibly powerful way. Is that is that a fair way to put it?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And and I, I would say the encouragement to me would also be that every time we go to the movies, every time we go to the theater, every time we read a book, that we would go anticipating that God would use those stories to transform us, that God would use those stories to give us hope, to cast vision for what our lives could look like, um, to do all kinds of work in our hearts. And, and if we go into the these stories with that expectation, I think God can really use them in powerful ways in
0: our lives. Well, sir, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for uh, really indulging us in our historical uh, geekery. It's just been an absolute treat.
1: (laughs) I've really enjoyed the conversation and really honored to be on your program. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On The Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at myfaithradio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On The Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook and our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.